Well, welcome to Evergreen. If we haven't met, my name is Carlos. It's such a joy to be with you and uh, to be able to celebrate uh, just the meaningful relationships that we have. And uh, to all the dads out there, it's just, it's just so cool uh, that now I'm on my third year where I get to be part of that club. And, and uh, just such a blessing to, uh, to, to play that role. And, and so many of us also play the role of just father figure. And, and uh, I know for me, um, so many men have shaped me growing up. And so for those of you who are intentional in those relationships, just you are absolutely needed. So we celebrate you today. Um, we are beginning something new. Uh, it is summertime. And so we thought we'd have some fun with going um, through a short talk over a story that is very familiar. As a matter of fact, um, I and my men's Bible study got to dive into uh, last year. And I told myself as we were studying this book, man, I hope that one day I get to teach out of this. And I'm here to tell you that wishes do indeed come true, guys. They do. And so today, we're going to start a uh, conversation out of the story of Jonah. Out of Jonah. Now, um, here's the thing. Jonah has some good going for it because the story of Jonah does because many of us are familiar with the story of Jonah. Uh, many of us who might have grown up in church, we remember that. That is a Sunday school classic, isn't it? I mean, it is a classic. It is also one of those reanimated uh, retellings on YouTube that are probably easy to find, right? A lot of people have had some fun with that story. Um, but there's also a challenge with that. And the challenge is that because it is a familiar story, one that we have heard uh, maybe as children, we as adults don't always get a chance to go back and study, study it as adults. We always remember the story as children. And so we either do this because we think we understand the story or um, the whole swallowed by a fish thing is a little silly to us. But here's the thing. The version that we heard in Sunday school or watch on YouTube is not the same version that we can read in the Old Testament. And here's why. There is tons of adult content in the four-chapter version in the Old Testament. There is. Um, because as, as you, soon as you dive in, um, you're going to notice that there is deep hatred towards enemies. There's depression and there's suicidal ideation. And this isn't the kind of stuff you want taught in Sunday school, do you? No, it's not. So we kind of tailor it accordingly. But here's the thing. Um, there is much to learn, and I hope that all of us can gain from the story of Jonah. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to jump into chapter one. But before we do, I just want to share some unique findings that I think are helpful as we think about this story. The first one that it's very unique in the Hebrew Bible. Um, it is a story about a prophet Versus the stories of a prophet's words and works. And the story is full of drama. I mean, it really is upside down. A bunch of stereotypes are broken. And so as you read, the unexpected continues to happen. The next thing you should know about before Jonah before diving in is that little we know of him in other writings is he does have a bit of a shady history. We have a couple of lines in the Old Testament, 2 Kings, where Jonah prophesies in favor of one of Israel's most evil kings. And that very prophecy later on by the prophet Amos is reversed. 
And so the little we know is he doesn't have a great track record. And so going into the story of Jonah and then reading his story, we have reasons to be suspicious and maybe even poke fun at his character. However, here's the thing. Many would argue that Jonah isn't necessarily about Jonah, but Jonah is about God's people. And so when we read Jonah, really the goal is for us to see where is, the, where is there a little Jonah in us? It's supposed to serve as a mirror for us to self-reflect. And here's the last thing I want to say before I share my outline and um, the thing that I want us to pull away from and why I want us to dive into Jonah is because it communicates our human tendency to run away from the greater things that God is wanting to do in us and through us. Because God, um, but yet God, because he is merciful and graceful, he goes through great efforts to see that we get to choose or we have an opportunity to choose to participate in his greater plan. And here's my summary of that is, uh, in short, Jonah teaches us that we run, but God rescues. We run, but God rescues. And so let's dive into chapter uh, one, my four observations, and we'll go through them one at a time. It's these. We are going to see Jonah run. We're going to see Jonah sleep. We're going to see Jonah solve the problem, and we're going to see God rescue. Are you guys ready? All right. Jonah chapter 1, it says this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of who? The Lord. And so last week, if you were here, Nathan preached a great message that in summary was, if God asked you to go, would you? And so here we have, God says go, Jonah says no, right? And for the dads in the room, he probably said, no way, Yahweh, right? That's in honor of Father's Day, right? And so the, the command is pretty vague, it's, but it's pretty simple. God asked Jonah, um, he says, to cry against, to preach to the Ninevites who you should know are Israel's biggest enemies. They are a ruthless empire. They're proud. They're idolatrous. No one really likes them, especially a good Hebrew. And so here's Jonah, but he doesn't just say no. What does he do? He runs. He flees. He gets as far as he can go. And we actually have a map just to show you the, 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 the extent of Jonah's choices of what he's trying to accomplish because we have here, um, I don't know the mass behind me there, we have where he should be going. He should be going east. How many miles? 550, and instead he gets on a boat attempting to go west to Tarshish, which at the time was really understood as the edge of the known world. And so you need, you need to understand that, that Jonah is trying to get as 
physically away as possible as where he needs to be. And his goal is simple. What is he trying to achieve? He is trying to escape the presence of the Lord. Now, who is Jonah in this story? Jonah is a prophet. Prophets know better. Jonah's being silly. He knows that he is embarking on an impossible task. But this just gives you a reflection of where his heart is with God's command to go preach to his enemies. We'll dive into all that later, but here we have just the beginning of Jonah's wild choices. Shall we continue in his wild ride? Yeah. So in verse 4 it says, But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down, and was fast, what? Asleep. So the captain came to him, and he said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on who? Jonah. Then they said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And what people are you? So he said to them, and I imagine very proudly, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And so here in verse 4, you get what I believe is God's reaction to Jonah's running, and it's this, he's not going to let him get away. God is going to choose to pursue his man. He's going to pursue his prophet. Jonah was not going to go without a fight. And so what does God do? He sends a storm. And here's the irony of what happens next. Because you have these sailors who, from what we can tell, um, are pagan and they have uh, their own individual gods. And you can tell that because they decide to begin to pray each to their individual god. These men are... Uh, these men do not know the Hebrew God, and it is them who are showing fear. It is them who begin to pray. It is them who begin to even dump out their livelihood, their cargo, the reason why they were in this business in the first place, to save lives. And it is them who are trying to make the situation better. But who's the one sleeping? The prophets. Do you see how everything's upside down in this story? The prophet is the one that's running. The prophet is the one that's sleeping. And yet it's these non-Jews, non-believers who are showing faith and reverence. And it's really interesting to pause at this point because up to here we see that Jonah's literal sleeping, but also I think this is symbolic of a, a spiritual apathy, his blindness, his disobedience, his 
hard-heartedness towards his enemies is not only at this point now affecting his life, but who else is it affecting? Everyone else on the boat in the most literal, most extreme ways. And it just makes me think of how often when we harden our heart, when we go in the wrong direction, when we choose our way versus God's way, how often do we consider that those choices don't just impact us, but they impact those around us. And Jonah, in this part of the story, reminds us of just that. But Jonah, he's going to come up with a problem. And so we see Jonah solve the problem. I'm sorry, he's going to come up with a solution. We see Jonah solve the problem. It says this, Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, then the sea will be calm for you, for I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could see that the sea continued to, be, to grow more, uh, more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not allow... Please do not allow us to perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the man feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows." And so here we have Jonah, he comes up with a solution, and the solution is pretty extreme, but simple. Throw me over the boat. Get rid of me. And at first read, you might think, wow, how selfless of Jonah, that he would understand, this is my fault, I should be the one to lose my life. And so he volunteers, and we may see that as selflessness, but if you consider the whole story, could it be that in this solution, Jonah is being the most selfish, most hard-hearted he's ever been at the point of this story? Because what happens if Jonah's life ends in that sea? He no longer has to fulfill God's command. He no longer has to go to the city that he's refusing to go to. And so could it be that Jonah's solution is actually an act of extreme selfishness? Do you see that? And yet consider these men, again, these men that they, they had no faith in the Hebrew God. Consider their reaction. They did everything they could to not toss Jonah into the sea, it says that they began to row even harder. In other words, these men were showing mercy. And even when they tossed Jonah, what did they do? They prayed for forgiveness. They said, God, please forgive us. Don't hold us accountable for what we had to do. In other words, these men were embodying all the traits that the prophet should have been embodying. It was Jonah who should have been 
merciful. It was Jonah who should have been repentful, but instead it was these men. And here's what I want to say before we get into this last piece, is that this storm that I believe God used in his redirection of Jonah's life, God also used that same storm to reveal himself to these men. Because these men entered that boat, and they had multiple faiths, they had individual spirituality, but at the end of this event, it said that they feared and made vows to the one true God. Isn't that incredible of God? That he would use the choices of others to work his greater plan? And so God was just as after Jonah. He was just after uh, these men as he was after Jonah. Isn't that incredible? And so this is where the story should end. If this was a regular story, then this should be a tragic ending And Jonah's life should have been remembered as such, the man who got tossed over the sea who was trying to run away from the presence of God. But it doesn't end that way, does it? Why? Because God steps in. Despite of Jonah's disobedience, despite of all the poor choices that Jonah was making up to this point, God steps in and rescues Jonah. And we see that in verse 17. It says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And that immediately reminds us of something, right? Yes. Another translation says that God appointed. And so there's the plot twist where the story should have ended, God rescued. And how many of us have had that experience? Where our story should have ended, God intervened. And in his mercy and grace, he appoints this fish that is a vehicle of grace. The fish saved Jonah from remaining in those waters. And so here's what I want us to know, that we, through the biblical narrative, discover that God is a God who pursues a fleeing humanity. We run, but God pursues with a purpose, and his purpose is to rescue us. And so we run, and, we, and he rescues, and this is the, the overarching relationship dynamic between us and God. And I understand this now more than ever, in the last three years, in the last actually three months, I should say, because my Charlie Joy has now become a full-blown toddler. How many, have, how many have ever raised a toddler here, yeah? So I have a picture of her in case you don't know Charlie Joy, because any chance I get, I'm going to show her off. But here's Charlie Joy. She thinks she's all grown up. She's now wearing purses and stuff like that. I mean, look at her. She starts to walk, and all of a sudden, she, um, you know, she has no boundaries, Charlie Joy, does no, she no longer needs her father, so she's going to go, and she's going to try to do whatever she can get into. And so what does that involve? She's opening cupboards. She's grabbing things that she shouldn't grab. She's walking into the street where she shouldn't be walking. She's putting things in her mouth. And I have realized that my job has now not so much been of a pastor. Now I am a full-time rescue worker. I am now constantly, like, like, you know, like 10 times a day, I am saving my toddler's life. 
right? Does anyone else feel that way? Yes, those of us who have had the experience are experiencing it now. And here's the thing. I gladly do it. This is not a complaint. It brings me joy to know that I can rescue my daughter. And I believe that this is just the heart of a good father. And the same is with our Heavenly Father. I believe that each and every one of us, God is happy to rescue. God is happy to step in in our moments of need. God is happy to intervene despite of our wrong choices or the choices that others have done towards us. And if you can hear anything today is that on Father's Day, you have a heavenly father that is, one, pursuing you. Don't you love that God does not give up on Jonah? We see a God that's going to pursue, and he's going to go through, he's going to take a, a, a great measures to pursue. And if you're thinking, well, you know what, I'm going to continue to run, well, you're going to run all your life. Because God's not going to give up on pursuing you. Because he loves you. And God, because he's a good father, he intends to rescue you. And I'm not going to assume to know what you need rescue from, but if you're like me or if you're like Jonah or if you're like any other human being, you don't always make the right choices. And so here we have this beautiful picture of God as our rescuer. And in the story of Jonah, we have the fish as the vehicle of rescue. And in our story, in the grand story, what we need to know or be reminded of is that uh, to rescue all of humanity, God did not depend on a fish. God sent, God appointed, God prepared his son. And so if you don't know this, know that Jesus' primary purpose for us is for him to be that vehicle of rescue. Jesus is the ultimate fish, the one that scoops us up, the one that we can depend on to survive this life. And so I'll, I'll end where I started. The story of Jonah is not a story where we can poke fun at a character. The story of Jonah's purpose really for us to see and ask ourselves, where is there a little Jonah in me? Where am I having Jonah tendencies? And so I want to end by just asking you to reflect on a few questions that you can either write down and, and reflect more this week. But um, what, what does running away look like in your life? What does running away look like in your life? For the story of Jonah, it's simple. He jumped on a boat. For us, it might not be that simple. For us, it could look in a vast variety of ways. It can look like overworking or not working enough. It could, work, it could look like us avoiding relationships because we know that those relationships are strained and require forgiveness. And we are much more comfortable holding on to bitterness than forgive because that's scary for us, running away might be just participating in habits that we know aren't good for us. And we know are simply escaping some of the things that God is calling us 
to surrender to him. What does running away look like for you in this season? And I, and I will say this, sometimes it's even hard to even see that in us because we're mostly blind to our own uh, areas of need. And so I would encourage you to be brave and to take a trusted mentor out to lunch this week and say, hey, do you see me running away from anything here? What do you see in me? Where am I escaping the things that God is calling me into? And then the next thing I'd encourage you to reflect on is where in your life are you inconsistent in your actions with your beliefs? Because that's true of Jonah. Jonah's boasting about the God that he knows that made the sea and and the land, and here he is disobeying him. And that's confusing, isn't it? Do you think those sailors were confused? So where are we living in ways that are inconsistent with the God that we preach? We believe in a God of kindness and we're out being unkind. We believe in a God of mercy and we are showing very little mercy. So where in your life are you inconsistent with your beliefs? And then the last thing as the band comes up, consider this. Consider what's happening in the story of Jonah. Consider what God is inviting Jonah into. Now, I'm going to spoil the story, but I imagine most of us have read it. But if, you're not, that's your, if you haven't, that's your homework. But what ends up happening is that an entire city, the city the size of Hillsborough and Cornelius combined, experience an incredible revival out of the half-hearted preaching of Jonah. And so God's grander plan was he was going to take these people that needed God, and he was going to humble them, turn their hearts so that they could change their ways that were destructive not only to the people around them, but to themselves. That's what Jonah was being invited into. God said, I'm going to do something here with the Ninevites, and I want to use you to it. And, and Jonah resisted that to the point of literal wanting to die. And so I just want you to know that God pursues and he rescues because he wants to invite you into a bigger story that is beautiful, that's incredible. If you choose to surrender to God's plan for your life, you're not going to step back and say, man, that was a small plan. I could have done that myself. You are going to say, wow, God, why me? You have done incredible things before me. And so if there's anything we could learn from Jonah is not to miss that boat. Jonah should have been celebrating the bigger work that God was doing, but he couldn't. And so there's a gift for us to reflect on that. And there's an invitation that God's given us. So I'm going to invite you to bow your head as, as we close our time. And if you're someone who you've, you've never said yes to Jesus as your personal rescuer, 
and you're believing that God has led you to this point to where you can say, yes, Jesus, I accept you. I believe in you and the work that you've done for me. Then I want to give you a chance to respond with every head bowed down. Or if you're watching online, you can, you can respond as well. If there's anyone here that wants to say yes to that, I just want to have a moment of agreement. And I want to be able to just pray with you and just validate your, your faith decision here today. So if you want to say yes to Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, just look up at me and I want to agree with you. Is that why you're looking at me? We agree. Yes. Anyone in the room or online? Thank you, Jesus. I agree with you. I agree with you. Father, thank you. Thank you that we are we're on this we're all on the same boat in this God. We all need you. And I thank you for the individuals that are saying yes to you for the first time. That they are saying, here I am. I'm available to be rescued. Lord, I pray for their faith that they would uh, have all that they need as they take this faith journey with you, God. I pray that they would sense your Holy Spirit upon them and guiding them, Lord, and transforming them just the way you're transforming us. I thank you for their faith and we celebrate them. And for the rest of us, God, I pray that as we go on this week that we would consider the ways that we are running away from your plan, the ways we're being inconsistent with your teachings, or really, Lord, uh, to be able to see that you are calling us into something bigger than ourselves. Help us to get excited about that. Help us not to miss that. Help us to be awakened to the grander story that you're accomplishing. We thank you that despite of us, you choose us. You're a good God and you're the perfect father. And we celebrate you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.